Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rozeal, and I like to have some really cool conversations with some pretty cool people. And today I have a very interesting conversation with Joe Shuchat. Joe is a golf representative. He represents a few athletes that are professional in the sport, not quite on the PGA Tour yet, but one of his athletes will be going to the Masters in a few months. I'm very excited to talk to him and see what he's been up to with his his company. It's a half technology, half golf representation company and he really likes to focus on the mental aspects when it comes to the really both sides um, and making sure that everyone is is mentally in the right place that they need to be because that is when you work the best so he has some awesome stories about you know the the golfers that he works with some of the the companies that he's works with and and you know how he really got into the whole thing it's a literal chance of fate so it it worked out and it's awesome and joe is a lot of fun to talk to and listen to so hope you guys enjoy this episode with joe shuchat Today we have Joe Shuchat, founder of Mindful Sports Group. Um, Joe, really appreciate you hanging out with me today, man. I this should be fun. Awesome, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it should it should be a blast. We've uh, Joe and I have known each other for a little while now. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna actually actually have to take a pause. Uh, Joe, you know Drake. I do. Yeah, yeah. I I I told I didn't put that in my notes, uh, and then I just remembered it now. So. When do you want to talk about Drake, just out of curiosity? I mean, I, whatever you need me to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm, only know, kidding. I, I, I'm only kidding. Don't worry. I, I'm, happy, I'm happy to talk <laughs> about it. I mean, you know, childhood friend, um, you know, see him whenever I get, you know, fortunate enough to get the opportunity. Um, if I'm lucky, maybe once a year. Um, you know, I, I try and stay out of his way. I try not to bug him as best, you know. Obviously, he's a busy guy. Everybody wants some of his time. And, um, you know, he's, he's doing some very special things. I think he's just a very unique individual who has really good intentions and, um, you know, fortunate to have somebody to look up to from a motivational perspective. You know, just the element of anything is possible. Um, you know, he's really um, – he, he's very unique. He works really hard. And he's just, a, you know, a great role model for a lot of people. And, uh you know, just the element of not, not caring what people say about him and just kind of, you know, being successful through, you know, in, in a time where everything you do is extremely magnified and, mm-hmm. and you know, he, he can't really go anywhere, you know, so it's just, you know, t- to have somebody like that to just watch from a distance, but at the same time, I'm, you know, marginally closer to him than, than others. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just really cool to see that, if you want to dream big, there's no limit to how big you can dream. So I love it. Just that, yeah. That's perfect. Thank you. I, I think that's enough Drake talk. Um, that is awesome. I, I'll be totally honest. I completely forgot until about right now. So glad we got a little bit of that in. I think if there's a better way to start an episode, I'm really interested in your story, but I'm not going to lie to you, man. If we can get Drake in, a friend of Drake's on, um, I think that is pretty sweet. But that, other than that, um, you know, the first question I always like to ask everybody is, why do you love sports? 
Ooh, that's a that's a great question. I think that that um, you know sports is um, you know everything from the competitive side to it to getting into the minutia and the detail of it. There's just so many different elements to it, and um, you know I'm a very competitive guy, both you know in business, in life, in sport, um, and it's really just a, a you know a, an element of life that you know, you can learn so much from, you know, obviously I would say golf has been a huge part of my life since I was a child. And a lot of the lessons that I learned from golf are very, very, there's, you know, there's a ton of crossover in terms of how it, how it fits into your life and things like staying in the moment, being present, um, you know, not overreacting to little things that happen here or there, you know, focusing on yourself, you know, not looking and comparing yourself to others, beating your own course as opposed to, you know, beating somebody else. And, you know, if you focus on yourself, typically it goes your way and, um, you know, you don't get concerned in, in some of those other things. So I just think, you know, all sports are kind of like that in a sense and, you know, huge Toronto Raptor fan, huge Maple Leaf fan. So, you know, team sports as well, just the, you know, working in a team, working in a company is very, is very similar to being on a sports team. And, um, I think that having, you know, sports, there's, there's very much a clearly defined goal at the end of the day. So you have this, this simple to define outcome goal, regardless of the sport. And it's just, you know, whether it's a team sport or an individual sport, just working towards accomplishing those goals and having this super measurable end, you know, in life, sometimes success can be defined by a lot of different things. And in sport, you know, the, the, the goal is, is very clear. So I just think that there's an element of, you know, being the best. And, and that's something that's always kind of resonated well with me. I think, you know, the, the, the Raptors are, are a very good example of, you know, nobody has the expectation that, the, you know, especially this year, you know, last year, obviously we had Kawhi Leonard and we were a great team um, and we won, but then you come back this year and everybody's kind of saying, well, you don't have a superstar, you don't have this. And it's just a group of guys who are going about their business. They're working together, they're doing the right things and, and it's success. And I just love to see, you know, the unexpected outcome, the, the, the beating the odds sorts of stories and sports has that everywhere you look basically. Absolutely. And, and you bring up a lot of really good points um, during that. So I, I appreciate it. So um, as of recording, I think the Raptors just had like a 20 game win streak or something snap. Yeah. They won 15 great 15? games okay. and lost uh, two nights ago. Yeah. Yeah. Still either way, it's incredible. And you make, you make a great point, you know, last year, obviously with Kawhi Leonard, it was, they maybe weren't the favorite, but they were definitely up there. They were one of the two or three teams, them, Philly, and the Bucks. Um, everyone expected one of them to come out of the East. Obviously, it was the Raptors. I was all for it. Let's go. Uh, I jumped on that bandwagon real hard. Um, but this year, especially, you know, as you said, you know, it's, it's always in sports. It's a very clearly defined goal. Like, let's be the best. I want to be number one. But as you hear more and more people talk, especially in the business world and in the sports world, it's let's pay attention less to the outcome and more to the process on how to get there. So how do you feel about that aspect of it too? Especially again, thinking about this year's Raptors team, of course they want to win, but at the same time, they can't think about all the ancillary outdoor or the outside noise and understanding if they just go about their business day by day and follow the process, it'll actually make it easier to actually get to that outcome. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a huge process guy. I talk about it with the golfers all the time. And I think that it just, you know, looking at the Raptors organization, it's leadership. You know, you look at, you know, whether it's Masai Ujiri or, or Nick Nurse coaching the team, 
there's just a clear um, group of leaders within the organization at every single level, whether it's, you know, Masai is the GM or, or Nick is the coach or, or Kyle as, as kind of the, the I guess, the, the team captain or the team leader in that sense. But down to the medical department, they have an unbelievable, you know, sports science department that has clear leadership in Alex McKechnie. And, and that's where the process is derived from is that you've got these leaders that can clearly articulate what they want the team and the individuals to do. There's, you know, there's, I wouldn't say, you know, you don't want to fear your leaders, but I think that you have this unbelievable amount of respect for the leadership group. And it allows a lot of the young guys to buy into what's going on when, when you've got a group of veterans and you, you know, so just the, you know, the, the process to me is everything. And I think that, you know, it crosses over into what I do with the golfers is it's easy to get ahead of yourself. It's easy to look forward. It's, you know, it's a lot of small details on a continuous uh, effort, day in, day out, hour by hour, minute by minute, shot by shot, um, you know, and, and that's where the success comes from. And, and a lot of people look at things like it's very glamorous. You know, I, I don't know the NBA life, so to speak, very well. Um, you know, I don't know any of the Raptors or anything like that, but um, – you know, it's not nearly as, if, if it's anything like the golf, it's not nearly as glamorous as people think. You're on the road, you know, you've got an 82-game season that lasts, you know, eight months, and, you know, your your family is away from you. You're not at home. You're living out of a suitcase for weeks at a time, um, you know, all while grinding and working towards, you know, being great and, and kind of doing unexpected things as a, as a you know, high-level professional athlete. So, you know, just being able to have the right group of leaders, the right group of people around you and, and just day in and day out, the process to me is kind of the coolest part. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, the late Kobe always talked about, you know, just doing the right things over and over and, and just kind of pushing the limit and everything will come to you in time so long as you just focus on what you need to do today. And then having, you know, kind of, kind of an assembly line like process in the sense that everybody does, you know, Bill Belichick always talks about just do your role. You have your role, you know, and, and everything at the end of the day always works out. And, you know, the process to me is very cool because when you get into it and you start to look at all of these things, um, it's very cool to see how much detail goes into it. And, um, you know, just, just understanding how much complexity is there and, if everybody does the right things, you know, legitimately anything is possible in anything, you know, whether it's Drake in the music or, or, or whatever he's doing or in basketball with the Raptors or, or the golfers that I work with or, or anything like that. If you just focus on the now, you stay in the present, you do what you need to do today. If you do this consistently enough, that outcome goal will be achieved. 100%. Or you'll you know, you'll come as close to achieving it. Exactly. Yeah. Can. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, process is definitely something, you know, I have a couple sticky notes on my desk that say, just follow the process, you know, those kinds of things, because people do get caught up in the outcome way more often than, you know, if you always think about the outcome, you're going to kind of forget about the process. And it's ironic because the more you follow the process, as we've just been talking about, the closer you will get potentially to the outcome you're seeking. So I think it is really interesting. So let's talk about the golfers a little bit. So as I said, founder of Mindful Sports Group, it's pretty interesting. You do your, it's golf representation and sports technology consulting. Uh, so first I do want to focus on the golfers a little bit. I'm sure there's kind of a, there's a Venn diagram here where there's a middle ground. Um, but as you said, you, you work with 
golfers, you represent them. What, what exactly does this look like? I know you're not representing golfers on the PGA tour yet, at least as of our last conversation, um, that, that was not, um, the case, but I mean, what does it look like and how are you helping these golfers, uh, from the mental side, from the, the sports side and making sure that they're doing everything they need to do with the process to, to get to, you know, where they're looking to go to. Yeah, for sure. I think it's the, the easiest way is for me to just kind of tell the story of how I got into the, the golf Love representation it. side. Um, I think it'll give you a clear idea of, uh, you know, how you can help these guys. And, and again, you know, it, it, the major part of the story is that you find unique young individuals who have this extremely unique skill set and just need to understand how to harness it to get the most out of it. And basically, um, been in sports tech now for say you know a decade really uh, almost a decade sort of you know probably uh, you know started roughly roughly 10 years ago and and had an idea for golfers where the premise was to track anything and everything that they do and was fortunate enough that when I graduated from university I started to caddy on on tour the first event I did was the US Open caddied in you know web.com or, or nationwide or corn ferry whatever you want to call it um, you know um, and, and saw that the guys at the upper echelon pyramid had access to information that, you know, young athletes or really the general public for that matter, really had no way of getting that information and wanted to figure out how I could take a lot of the stuff that the, the tour players were using and kind of get it to the masses to help create, you know, a more educated, smarter so, so is this, is this because they don't have the money? Is this because they don't have the resources or the network or is it something that was just kind of kept locked away in a box somewhere? I would say mostly just kept away locked in a box. You know, okay. you, you, the guys didn't want to share their secrets with the world and you know, they felt that was their competitive advantage and you okay. would see, you know, there was, it's not like there's an answer to this. This is the great golf question. If you can answer this question, you'll be great. Um, you know, it's just, again, it's the process. It's a lot of little things that you saw that guys were doing that you wouldn't even think about, you know, all the way down to nutrition, to meditation, to mental conditioning, to, you know, things that you wouldn't necessarily, if you weren't locked in and wired in, you wouldn't know where to look for it. So it was just little things. You get in conversations with some of the best trainers in the world, some of the best coaches in the world, and you would hear things that they say, and you would innately know that these are not concepts that the general public really would ever have have access to um you know unfortunately um sorry my my phone rang i don't know if that got picked <laughs> up on the nope thing. you're uh, perfect you're good um so wanted to kind of take some of these messages that i learned and saw some of the things that were going on and um get wanted to get them out to the masses so Went back to school, learned how to code a bit. I knew how to code a little bit, but needed to kind of formalize that and also wanted to meet other people that were learning how to code or knew how to code. Um, ended up hiring one of the kids in the class. Um, ended up hiring the professor to be my CTO after a little bit of success within what we were doing. Um, grew the company and, and partnered with Golf Channel, Under Armour, IBM Watson, you know, the list of, of companies that we worked with you know, went on and on, um, got a number of users, uh, you know, roughly over 20,000 users, um, and got acquired in, in 2016, um, worked for the company that acquired us for, for the year that I had to work there. Um, and just realized at the end of the day that, um, I'm, I'm just an entrepreneur. 
uh, and, and kind of putting yourself into somebody else's dream or somebody else's system wasn't something that, um, you know, wasn't necessarily for me, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, left and, and then tried to figure out what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of, I hadn't played golf because when you're an entrepreneur and you have a startup company, you're so devoted to doing it that, you know, I had, uh, I guess you could say I lost my golf game for a little bit and wanted to get back to enjoying life and wanted to travel and see the world. Um, and at that point I had never been to Europe. So it was one of the things that I always wanted to do is kind of go to Europe and see what Europe is all about and, and travel around and just enjoy life. Cause so- so before we get to that, though, could you explain a little bit more about what that application or that software was that helped, as you said, over 20,000? I'm sure that that number has grown significantly since. Yeah. So basically, the, um, you know, the, the premise of it was to um, track any and everything that a golfer would need in order to get better. Um, so it looked at things like swing analysis software, statistics tracking, practice and workout building. We had, you know, a piece for, for high school golfers to, um, you know, track their resume so they could send it to college coaches. You know, it did a variety of different things. It did online scheduling so coaches could get, you know, lessons booked. Um, really just trying to create a smarter golf industry while helping golfers just to understand different areas that they could go to get better and kind of organize them and, and, and help them create, you know, what we're talking about and creating a process. If you do these 10 things that are in the app every day for an extended period of time, it would be impossible for you to not get better at the end of the day. Right back to the process. I love it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, kind of, you know, went through that, got acquired, um, worked at blast for a year. Um, and always kind of knew that I was never going to leave golf. Um, you know, I think that one of the things that there was a lot of success within the company, just based on the passion around golf at the end of the day, live golf, love golf, um, you know, have grown up. It's, it's kind of the thing that I would say that I know. Um, and ended up uh, caddying for a friend of mine in uh, European Tour Q School, probably – four or five months after I had left, uh, left working for the company that acquired us and ran into a couple other players that I knew while I was out there, ended up running into one of the guys after the tournament was over on the underground in London um, and said, Hey, I can caddy for you in the next round of qualifying if you want. And he said, sure, go and caddy for him in qualifying. And, and we're, one of the days that we were out there, he said, hey, I have this friend of mine. Um, he's really good. He needs a little bit of money, and he probably needs some of the people within your network to kind of help him take that next step. Um, got on the phone with, with this, this player. Um, his name's Victor Perez. Um, and at the time, he was ranked about three, 375-ish in the world. Um, which is, you know, very good. Um, tons of positives to get to that point by yourself. And, you know, at the time he was 25 years old. Um, and basically heard a few things that really kind of struck a chord with me in terms of, A, his, his level of intelligence. This is a, a kid born in France who 
went to New Mexico University without knowing a single word of English and learned English while he was there and graduated from university, you know, in, in an English speaking country and speaks English very well with a very minimal to no accent. Um, asked him a couple of questions about his finances. He sent me a very organized, uh, detailed outline of, of kind of the expenses for the previous year before I had met him and what it kind of cost him. And I looked at this document and said, this looks like it's done by a CFO, not a, uh, not a professional. Not a 25 year old kid. Yeah, exactly. So I was kind of really intrigued, um, you know, that there was somebody that was this organized, this disciplined, but at the same time, uber young and uber raw um and basically said to him hey you know i like i like everything that you're saying i think you have a ton of potential i had never seen him hit a golf ball up to this point which i think is kind of the funniest part of the whole story um just kind of went based mostly off of the mental side of things i think that he's intelligent enough i think he's smart enough um Plus, if you get to 375 in the entire world, obviously he has some sort of skill set, right? Like exactly. It's, it, I mean, you just know. And, exactly, and the person yeah. who referred me to him, the person who referred me to him is somebody that if he says that he can play, I would take his word for it sort of deal because he can really play. Um, so ended up putting together a deal with him where I would lend him whatever money he needed. He could pay me back when he made it. I would take you know, I guess in a sense, a hundred percent of the risk, if you flame out and you don't make it, I lose the money. If you become an Uber success, then everybody wins sort of deal. Um, he said, sure. And, you know, lent him, lent him a little bit of money. Um, and then just kind of observed for call it four or five months. I just observed, okay, what's he doing? You know, who's his coach? How, how involved is, you know, are his parents? Um, you know, is he dating someone, you know, just trying to observe everything that was kind of going on in his life without really making changes. I think that that's one of the things I learned when I went through the acquisition is sometimes just sitting back and watching, um, you know, is, is very important before you kind of chime in and, and start speaking your mind is, you know, what is happening here? How can we make it better? Um, what's he doing? That's great too. I think that that's one of the things too, is you want to tell him where he's doing the right things and where he's being great, but you also want to find areas where, okay, we can get better here. And there were, you know, there was, there were plenty of areas that were great. In fact, the, the whole golf side of the equation was great. It was, there were other elements where money could solve a lot of problems. You know, if you can pay a, a more experienced caddy, a little bit more money than, you know, just taking somebody new every week. If you could, um, you know, get the right sports psychologist in the mix, you know, or, or, you know, I, I call the one that we, we set Victor up with, she's more of a sports therapist than a sports psychologist. Um, you know, getting the right fitness trainer into the mix as well was also very huge for, uh, for Victor. And, you know, basically, layered on pieces over the course of you know the first year he came third on the challenge tour which uh, got him all the way to the european tour uh, and then last year again added we were able to kind of get jp fitzgerald on his bag who caddied for rory mcelroy for a really long period of time their fourth week out they won the alfred dunhill um, they came fourth in the wgc in china a couple weeks after that and then lost in a playoff in turkey the week after china and Victor finished the year 40, 44 in the world. 
first tournament of the year came second. He's now 41 or 42 in the world. I'm not wow. Um, so Victor will be making his major championship debut at the Masters. Nice. Uh, Congratulations. Um, That's awesome. Thanks. So he's, um, you know, but it's, it's again, it was looking at what he's doing, you know, and I think it's important, you know, one of the great things about the way the interview started was that the first question was really around process. And, you know, with Victor, he's very process oriented and he was willing to put in the work. He was willing to take constructive criticism. He... Um, he's a very, uh, humble, uh, you know, I don't want to say kid cause he's not a kid anymore. Um, and he, you know, just, just his willingness to want to try things, uh, you know, really helped him kind of turn the corner. Um, you know, he's, you know, like you said there, he's technically not a PGA tour player yet. I would be very surprised if, you know, he's got FedEx cut points from China and things like that. So he, you know, indirectly, will most likely be a PGA tour player in the near future. Um, but, you know, just, just kind of helped him kind of derive his process and kind of hone in on the things that he, he was doing well, but also added layers to, you know, got him the best trainer in the game, got him, you know, the, the best sports psychologist in the game, um, got him the right putting coach to help him improve his putting and, and, you know, just looking for little bits and pieces here and there. And, you know, when you, when you get to that level, you're not looking for much. You're really looking for decimals of gains here and there. Um, and that, you know, got him to have some success. And now we've since signed a couple other players that uh, we're going through kind of the same process with them right now, trying to get them, um, you know, all the little things um, to help them get better and, um, I would say that, that, you know, we've probably turned a few heads with how we're doing things. And, and you know, we've got four players under our umbrella now and, and are always looking to kind of add, kind of under, you know, we have a very good understanding now of how the system works and how you can help guys get better. And it's a little bit different of an agency model than, you know, some of our competition. We're more performance focused. Our, you know, the way we see it is we'll get you to be a top 50 player in the world and, once you get there, all the endorsements kind of will come. So it's, it's not as much about making a few bucks here or there. It's more about let's be great and know that when we become great, everything will fall into place. Absolutely. You know, it, I think, I think it's just really cool. The, 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 again, just going back to the process of how you went about helping him with his process, right? Like, I think it's really interesting how you, you just said you observed, for four or five months just to see what's going on because you can't just come in and, and you know start throwing stuff against the wall and just be like oh no you have to do it this way like obviously again Victor was your first client in this aspect um, and just kind of seeing and understanding what he's doing and maybe some new ways that you can help him out and, and another word that you used uh, a little bit earlier on in the conversation as well consistency you got him one caddy now he's not using a different person every single week you got him right. a, a coach a specific coach a specific trainer someone to help him and and the consistency aspect of the process i think is 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 a huge chunk of it because if you're doing the same thing over and over again as we talked about with the raptors it's very similar i'm sure with all sports and and in business just doing the the right thing over and over again will continue to build upon itself to the point where you just get better and better without even potentially realizing what's going on. Um, 
So I think it's awesome. Congratulations. He's going to the masters. I hope that means you get to go to the masters too. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I, I, I've been joking with a bunch of people that my 12 year old self is just <laughs> over the moon with all of this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's funny when we set Victor's schedule at the start of the year, that, that top 50 is a major threshold. It basically, if you're inside the top 50, you can basically be for the most part, pick your own schedule. Um, and when we set it, you know, I've since hired somebody to help to, to come on and kind of help me with just all of the things that we got going on. And, you know, we looked at the schedule and Victor kind of was making fun of me because all of the tournaments that I chose to go to were all of the, the major, major events. Uh -huh. So it was yeah. things like, you know, the, the, the majors and, and, you know, he's playing in the Olympics for France in August. So it's like my schedule is all of the, you know, the biggest things. And he was kind of saying, oh yeah, these tournaments are too small for Joe to come to or uh -huh. you know, things like that. So um, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. It's very fun. It's super rewarding. Uh, you know, when he won the tournament at the end of October, um, or sorry, at the end of September, beginning of October, um, you know, just, just to know that you're part of the team, to know that you help somebody kind of achieve one of their major goals. It's, you know, it's, it's more rewarding than, than kind of anything I had done in my life. And you just want more, you know, I think that one of the things that makes Victor very special is that, he won the tournament. He called the sports psychologist. He did his statistics. He did the media that they wanted him to do. And then he went and did a post-round workout before he went and celebrated. And I think that, you know, he's so big on routine and so big on that consistency element. He's like, yeah, you know, it's great that I won. I achieved one of my major lifelong goals to win on the European tour. And, you know, it was a very big event within the European tour. And, you know, he goes, but at the end of the day, no kid ever, ever, you know, woke up with the with the dream of just winning a European tour event. There's bigger goals, there's bigger things we're trying to accomplish. So if I if I celebrate this too hard and I fall into this lull, um, you know, which kind of happened to him the year before I met him on the challenge tour was he won and then kind of got a little bit mm -hmm. ego changed things, your perception of how things are going to work changes. So he wanted to keep on the grind. You know, he won, but he certainly didn't want to have a hangover from winning. You know, he wanted to get right back in the saddle and compete every time out. I think that, you know, he, he's now addicted to competing, putting himself in contention and, and trying to win every time that he tees it up. And, and that's where he's very unique is that, you know, he did accomplish something extremely great. He won, you know, a huge tournament. But at the same time, it's just he's very aware of where he is in his process. And, and he's to him, it's really just, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the beginning, but it's also nowhere close to the dream. So there's, there's still so much room, you know, he knows there's areas he can get better. He knows there's more that he can do and he wants to achieve his full potential and, and just, you know, back to that consistency, he just wants to make sure that he does everything. You know, there's, there's super successful people and that's what they do. They win every day they wake up and that's kind of where we're trying to go is just win the day every day. If you win the day every day, you'll just have small gain after small gain after small gain. And, you know, 1% a hundred times over is a hundred percent. So, um, you know, just, just doing that every day. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I think it's awesome that he has the, the foresight, the wherewithal to say, no, like I, I obviously we're going to celebrate. This was a huge goal and you have to celebrate your goals. But at the same time, understanding if after every round you do a post round workout, this is not the time to stop. This is not the time to let your foot off the gas, as you said. And that was going to be one of my questions. Well, has this happened to him before? And it sounds like it's very easy to, if you don't do it once, it's very easy to then not do it again and not do it again. And then eventually just never do it, right? Like 
obviously I'm taking the extreme there, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's the mental side of it that again, we've been talking about the consistency, the persistency, doing what you need to do, doing what you have to do, what you get to do on a daily basis. Um, and we've been talking about it, uh, pretty much the whole time, but I know something, you know, the, the first time you and I had a conversation, it was really interesting. You were talking about, um, the mental side of golf and golf is an extremely mental game, right? Like, obviously you need to have a good swing. You got to know how to putt a ball, but at the same time, it's, it's you versus a course and it's you by yourself pretty much the whole time. Yeah. You got a caddy, but it's, it's you and, and that's it. Um, and I remember one thing you said to me, which really stuck with me, you know, you were talking about how, you know, just, you know, giving someone like Victor an extra hundred dollars so that way he doesn't have to stay in a super crappy motel he can stay in somewhere that you know you feel a little bit more comfortable in. you feel a little bit more at home that in itself helps significantly um so what is it about the mental side that you personally subscribe to but also why do you think that that's such an important part of golf and why more people don't take advantage of it I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's important in life. I think that, of course, yeah. you know, like like we were saying before, uh, golf is very synonymous with life. A lot of the same principles follow through. I think that we live in a world, especially now, that is we're looking for immediate gratification. We're looking to always be told how great things are. You know, the things that we put on social media, tip, you know, you never hear somebody, you know, put something awfully negative out there, you know. Okay, maybe Twitter here and there, but like if you look at Instagram, it's really all the like, here's my vacation, here's the round of golf. The highlights, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's very much a highlight of your life. I think that, you know, the, the crossover between the things that Victor works on with the sports psychologists, I would say, are more life based and it's more, you know, understanding how to how to enjoy what it is that you're doing and you know people say oh well it's golf well it's yeah okay so he's been on the road seven of the last eight weeks he hasn't seen his girlfriend in over two months you know his his parents live in in France and he hasn't seen them in six months for that matter and I think that you know the the just going out and having somebody that you can call and talk to about all of the little things that you know having this happen or having that happen doesn't you know neither one will be the impact but the the combination um you know the combination of things adds up and you just you know him just having somebody to talk to i think has really helped him and their skills that she's provided him with you know like he when we met he didn't even think meditation was something that could help him yesterday he told me that he's meditated for 45 minutes every day for the last two months you know so it's he's grown from nothing to you know, understanding how integral it is for him to just be in his own, you know, in his own head and just kind of trying to clear his thoughts and, and, and find breathing patterns. Um, you know, he told me this incredible story. Uh, when he won the Dunhill, uh, he was really nervous walking. He had just hit the shot into the green. The other guy had a putt to tie and then he had, would have had a putt to win. The guy missed the putt to tie. So he had two putts to win, but he told me that when he hit the shot and he was walking to the green, he was so aware of where he was in that moment. And he was so aware of his, his own uh, emotions, his mood, his feelings at that moment in time. And he was able to say to himself, okay, you're really nervous right now. And this is expected behavior to put yourself in. And that kind of set this cue off. And he's got these series of eight or nine mental cues that when he uses certain words or he says certain statements, it's a cue for him to get back into the present moment. And so he obviously had thought something in that moment that he needed to get back into the present. And, and he has this tool that he uses and he calls it colors. And so what he does is, is when he gets 
uber hyper nervous. He just starts to say every, in his own head, I mean, I don't think he says it out loud, but just in his own head, he just says all the colors that he sees. So he was saying that he was walking up to the green and, and, you know, kind of the cool thing is that he was winning at St. Andrews, which is obviously, you know, probably the, you know, the home of golf. It's, it's one of the most famous courses in the world. So there's a lot of history that, that goes on behind it. But he said that as he was walking up to the green, he was just saying all the colors that he saw. So he's, you know, he's looking down at the ground and he sees, you know, light green, dark green. He sees a divot. He sees the brown and the divot. You know, he looks up, he sees the Dunhill logo, he sees the blue, he sees the white, he sees a guy in a red jacket. He's like, by the time that I was doing it, it was now my turn to pot. And all of the nerves that I had for that moment in time were now gone Mm -hmm. because I didn't have, I didn't think about them. I just thought about what I was looking at and what I was seeing. And I was, I was so present on dealing with the things that I needed to deal with that everything was easy at that point because there were no nerves. I wasn't winning the tournament. I was seeing blue. I was seeing green. I was seeing orange. And and now I just have to roll this ball up there and put it in. And, and we're, you know, we, you know, we win and, you know, all the glory mm-hmm. that, that goes with that. So, you know, I think it's just the, the mental side of it, I think, is everything. I think that the thing that I would say with regards to Victor is the closer that he gets to greatness and, and being one of the best players in the world the more that it has to do with life and the less that it has to do with golf. It's how, you know, are your finances in order? Is your, you know, are, is your family happy? Are you taking care of your family? Are you, you know, these are the things that are more important at this point. There's no, his skill development is defined. He knows how to hit a ball. Like you said, he knows how to make pots. He knows how to chip it close. He knows how to hit shots close to the hole. He knows how to, you know, choose the right strategy in a sense. So now it's, how do you put yourself in a place where the only thing when you're out there, the only thing that you're thinking about is the task at hand and, mm-hmm. you know, nothing about tomorrow's round. You know, I think that, you know, the, the perfect example is the, is the masters is because, you know, it's the first time I think in four years that a Frenchman has actually made it to play in the masters and he goes and gets interviewed by all the French media and, everything is about the masters and you know to him he's like i need to think about you know abu dhabi and dubai and and playing in saudi and you know now this week he's got mexico coming up so he's like i'd rather just focus on mexico don't ask me about what's going to happen to me in april i'm trying to worry about this tournament right here and this block and you know there's so many distractions that go with it so you're just you know for for my role my my role is to just try and tune out all of the, the future looking things and, and just put him in a position where it's okay, here's where we are now. Here's what we're trying to do. Let's just hit this shot right now. And we'll worry about the third hole at Augusta when you're on the third mm-hmm, hole at Augusta, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. So, you know, and, and I think that it's, again, it's, it should go beyond just golf and absolutely it's it's things that you know society is is really you know the mental health and you know it's good that we're getting rid of the stigma and it's good that we're we're you know starting to to you know accept that these are things that we have to work on and i would highly advise it to anybody you know regardless of whether it's for sport or for life to just pick up the phone and call somebody or Mm -hmm. you know go see somebody and and just having somebody to talk to is is everything at the end of the day because if you bottle it up, it's just going to come back and, and kind of bug you and the most inopportune times. And, and it's healthier to, to get it out than keep it in. And, you know, that's, that's the same thing, you know, with, with the athletes, with the golfers, with everything. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my philosophy is if you get the mental right, hitting golf shots is easy. 
Absolutely. And, and you make a lot of great points. First, with the, the meditation aspect of it, I meditate every day I have for the last year and change. Um, and it is the awareness that helps me the most. When you hear yourself thinking a negative thought, I now have the awareness to say, well, what, don't think this, you know, and then be able to, you know, realize that I'm thinking it, stop thinking it and go somewhere else. So I totally agree on that aspect. Another part is, as you were saying, you know, he's at this level, he's top 50 in the world. Clearly, he knows how to hit a golf ball. Clearly, he knows what he's doing on that end. What are what's the as you said the decimal points that we can change to maybe give him an extra edge? Is it the finances? Is it making sure his family's happy? Is it making sure his dog can eat the food that his dog wants to eat? You know, it's all these little tiny things. But at this point, this is what you have to pay attention to, right? Because everybody is extremely skilled. You know, what are the little things that can help put you ahead? So I think that that's very, very smart and very important on your side. And and then yeah, I mean, it's super cliche, right? In sports and in life, but take it one day at a time. Take it one shot at a time, one hole at a time. And it it's a cliche for a reason, right? Like there there's a reason so many people say it and do it and live it. Um and clearly you guys have been able to see that firsthand and what it's like with with helping Victor and and showing him, hey, if you just take this one step, one literal step at a time, um, you know, that's very important. And I really like that story about the colors. I think that's really cool. And uh it really does show like just stay in the moment. Don't get nervous. Don't worry what could happen. Just pay attention to what's going on right now. I think that's very important. So thank you for all that. That was, that was absolutely fantastic. And now, as you said, you have, you, you signed three or four more golfers that are going to be coming yep. onto the team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have three other golfers signed talking to a few more. Um, I think it's, you know, the things that we look for is just a willingness to put in, you know, take constructive criticism to put in the work on the right areas willing to accept that, you know, the mental is something you have to work on. I think that I've met a lot of guys who, you know, they, they mask a lot of insecurity, if that's the right word with, you know, with ego and, and, you know, there's no weakness in understanding that you can get better mentally. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Tiger Woods is, is the toughest mentally we've seen from a golf specific perspective. And, and he did things every day from when he was a kid to today to, to work on that. You know, he, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume that he meditates regularly. I know that, you know, there's been people in his, you know, on his team in the past that have helped him work on these things. There's, there's no weakness in working on the mental and, and it's, you should feel, you know, if it's the most important part of the game, why are you not working on it the most? Uh, you know, it's not, there's no, you know, where, where I think people struggle with working on it is there's no uh, objective measure to prove that you're getting better. Um, so a lot of it is very subjective and self-defined. I am getting better mentally. I am catching myself with negative thoughts. I am getting in my own way. And I think that it's, it's finding guys who are willing to accept that they're looking for new ways of working on their game. Um, you know, that, you know, are, are willing to try new things and, and also have the ability to believe that, th that their destiny is to be great. I think that, you know, I've seen guys that have all the skill in the world, but they don't the believe thought, it. Yeah. The thought that, you know, this is, you know, that they're the guy that you're supposed to turn on sports center and see, you know, tapping in the putt to win the tournament. They, they struggle with that vision. They struggle with that goal. Um, you know, we always say you set your goal to be the number one player in the world. And if you come four spots short, you're still making, you know, with the money. Pretty good. You, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you set a goal, that's kind of, I want to finish here on this tour, you're limiting yourself. You're putting yourself in a box. You're defining that the, you know, the goal is 
not everything that you would hope and, and try and accomplish. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's really what we try is to try and when, you know, when we meet players, just try and ask them the questions like this guy really truly wants to be the best in the world and we'll do whatever we can to help him get there. And we know that because of his willingness to get there, he'll come as close as we can possibly get him. And we'll put all of the things in place to help him get as close as he possibly can. And eventually one of these guys will do it. And I think that a lot of people have kind of looked at me and said, that's crazy. You know, you're, you're out there for thinking that, you know, you're going to find the guy who's going to be the guy, but in reality, why not me? You know, why not, why not that guy? Like who, who is, you know, and uh, you know, who is Brooks Kepka? Who is Rory McIlroy? They're, they're incredible players. And I, I, I have the utmost respect for them in everything that they're doing. But at the same time, they still at times hit bad shots. They mm-hmm. still, you know, they don't win every week. You know, there's plenty of room for them to get better. So there's, if I can get guys to their level, why can't I get guys to be better than them? So I think it's just, you know, having the belief that you can help guys be everything and more. And eventually they'll start to believe it and understand mm-hmm. it. And, um, you know, obviously Victor's really bought into the process and he's as close to being there mentally as you possibly can. I think that, you know, he's still aware of where he can get better and he still works on the things in the areas that he knows he can get better, but he's coming very close and, um, you know, maybe you heard it here first. Hey, I hope so. That would be awesome if we could get the, uh, the, the interview right before he wins the Masters with his agent. I mean, that's a pretty darn cool, uh, cool get on my part. But um, no, I think it, you, you bring up a really good point that is honestly very surprising. I just honestly, I assumed all golfers work on the mental aspect of it because it's such a mental sport. I mean, I, I am terrible at golf. Um, just awful. I mean, I love top golf, but that's about as far as I can go. Um, and you know, it's just very interesting to me because so many people, just the casual fan knows how much of a mental game it is. You know, these guys that are weekend warriors that'll go out and play 18 every Saturday that it's very surprising to me that all golfers, especially professionals then don't think like, well, maybe if the rest of the world knows something, maybe this is something I should at least look into or, or try working on, on at least a weekly, if not a daily basis. Yeah. I think that, you know, I would say that everybody at the top at the upper echelon works on it. Um, you know, I, I think that there's still an insecure, you know, the, the, the things that Victor talks about are, are deep. Victor has addressed some, you know, things in his life that he needed to improve. And I just, you know, not everybody is willing to get hyper uncomfortable. I think that that's the thing that people don't understand about winning golf tournaments is that, you know, the last six holes, the last nine holes, really the whole final day for that matter, when you're in a position to kind of create, you know, a legacy or, or you know, win a tournament for that matter. Um, you know, until you really do it, you don't know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think that, you know, the guys that typically put themselves in a position usually work on it. I think at a very high level, people work on it. Um but I also think that one of the things that's interesting about it is that to be, you know, a sports psychologist or a golf psychologist, you don't necessarily, um, there's no accreditation. There's no, you know, proof that what you're saying is in the pudding. And I think there's a lot of people who have diluted the industry with no real backing and no real science behind what they're saying. They're just saying the things you know, similar to the things that I'm saying in this interview around, you know, just staying present and do this, but there's no substance behind any of it. And I think that, 
that's where guys, you know, they've gone and they've worked with somebody and they didn't get anything out of it. Or, you know, they did it for a week and they, they thought they were going to get more out of it. And it just comes back to that. Just consistently Mm -hmm. doing things is, is where it comes to and, and just getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, you know, that's, that's where the mental side of it, that's where journaling, that's where the meditation, that's where all of that stuff is, is huge is, is just doing all of the, the details, you know, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. And if you, if you do the details, the, everything falls into place. Yep. And, and it's so surprising, as I said, you know, I've, I've done, I've meditated, uh, um, you know, every day for the last however many days and I've, I've spoken to people about it and I've just tell them how, how it's affected me and what it's done. And then, you know, they say, oh yeah, I tried it for like a week. I was like, well, you can't try something like this for a week. That's not how it works. I mean, I honestly didn't really start to notice the effects it had on me until, you know, a few months down the road. But now looking back at where I was before I started and where I am now is a significant difference. It was just such small incremental steps along the way that you don't notice them while they're happening until you can look back and and see how big of a gap has been created. So it's something that I truly believe in. I wish, you know, I think everybody should do it. I mean, there's, there's apps you can download on your phone right now, calm headspace, you know, they take, Mm -hmm. you know, five minutes, you can do a minute long one, whatever it is. I think they help significantly. Um, Joe, this is awesome. I love this golf aspect of it, but I know with mindful, it's, you got another kind of side to the business a little bit that I definitely, obviously, as you know, we, we started the conversation with how you got into this, which also, again, I do want to point out if you were not on that specific, you know, train in the London underground, you would have not spoken with that one person who would have got you there. I always love that kind of stuff. There's so many opportunities for things not to happen. This one, um, that is stars aligning and clearly, clearly it was meant to be. I love that. Yeah. Destiny. I mean, we always talk about how, you know, the, the, the way that the checks have kind of fallen into place and there's been a couple of other things. That's, that's the craziest part of the story is that I ran into James on the London underground and had that not happened, I probably wouldn't be sitting here on this interview with you. Um, you know, so, you know, it just helps understand that this is why this is meant to be. And, and that's why there's some destiny, you know, whenever you get little things like that, you know, this stars aligned and, um, it was just meant to be. It's really cool. Yeah. I always love little, little things like that. Cause it was, it would have been so easy for you to say, Oh, maybe I want the train earlier or the train later. Or, you know, what if I just walked or any of these things, but it turns yeah, out. Yeah. The doors close a second right? earlier and they don't get on the train, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of that. It's stuff. awesome, man. But I do love it. So the other side of uh, mindful sports group is a sport technology consulting side of the business. So what ex- so so again with with the start of the story that's kind of how you got into golf it sounds like you started this application the software to help golfers and and help them get better from all aspects. So what exactly are you doing on the sports technology side with Mindful Group? Um that is, you know, similar different or or hit that Venn diagram in the middle with the golf side of it. Yeah, so I think that when I when I did Winning Identity, when I did the first company, um it took me a long time to understand what I was trying to build, what platform, what languages it needed to be written in, um, what sort of, you know, cloud-based servers did I need to put it on that it could scale. Um, you know, it's, it's not as simple as I have an idea, build it, you know, and that's, you know, I, I would say that having been through it and, and having had success, I would say that I have people reach out to me all the time with, um, good ideas and bad ideas, but it's not as simple as I have this idea. How do we do it? There's a lot of research that has to go into it. And I would say that, um, you know, before winning identity was successful, there was a lot of failure within within the company in terms of trying to do things that, 
you know, wasn't necessarily the right process and the right path and, and didn't find the right developers and the right people to help me define it. And, you know, I think that finding people that you can work with, finding the right team members that you can work with, I think is everything. So I have one of the guys on my team um, is this uber talented programmer and, and he worked with me at Winning Identity. He went with us through the acquisition and then, you know, it, it wasn't for him either. And I think he liked that, you know, when we're a startup, you determine your own workflows, you determine your own, you know, like we've been talking about, your own process. And and he wanted to kind of come on on board and, and help me, you know, he was like, look, you, you know how to get projects. You have people approaching you all the time with, hey, I want to build this. I want to build that. And, you know, he knows the firsthand how many not great programmers there are out there. And, and, you know, we, we look at taking on projects that will help us feel fulfilled in a sense. So we don't necessarily take on every project. Uh, we're working on a project with a, with a company up in Toronto called modern golf. Um, they do golf club fittings and, and we kind of have, uh, we had developed something similar to this in the past and wanted to, you know, we, we, obviously went through the acquisition and didn't own it, but kind of see that there was a path that Blast didn't go down with that software. And we felt like this is still an area of the industry that we could majorly disrupt. Um, we're working on a, there's a, a high performance basketball group out in a, a little north of the city here in Toronto and uh, called Athlete Institute. And they've helped a handful of guys make it to the NBA, but they've also helped hundreds of kids get division one scholarships in, in the States. And they had some ideas as to how, you know, the basketball industry could further themselves. And it was another project that we were both highly intrigued by and, and a couple of other projects. And I think that we, I think that when I went through the, you know, the acquisition and you have success and you make a little bit of money, you just want to help people kind of do the same. So you know, the, the, some of the stuff we do is just people call me and they ask me for my opinion. And, you know, if I, if I, I'm happy to give my opinion and, and happy to, you know, Stephen and I are happy to hit in and to sit in and, and kind of give our opinions on ideas. Um, I would say that the number one thing we see most of is guys have great ideas, but it's an addition to an existing program. And that's not really a business in a lot of cases. And it's, you know, sometimes it's really hard to tell people, hey, that's a great idea, but Amazon could do it in an hour. And there's probably a reason why they haven't done it. Um, you know, and, and it's just fun. You know, I love hearing new ideas. I love hearing how people want to create change, how people want to move things forward. Um, so we just, you know, we don't really advertise necessarily that we do this. We just, you know, I would say at this point, we're really close to maximum capacity on what we could actually develop and, and try and really be successful. But it's really about finding the right partners. Um, it's about finding people that have great ideas that are motivated to work. And, and you know, we can build a technology, you know, any which way, hardware, software, anything really, for the most part, we can find the right people to kind of help us forge through the, the, the things. And, and that's really, you know, sports tech has always been, very important to me it's you know and and it's also with the with the modern golf project it's something that we believe will help our golfers down the road as well and and will help the golf industry so that's another important element you know with that venn diagram example you know there is going going to be some overlap but the technology side of the stuff we're working on is very um very much in development uh very close to you know we have a couple that are in beta and and things like that that we're doing um but it's you know 
it's what we know. It's what, you know, it's very, it's more so tangible than the golf, you know, like Victor wins a tournament that's tangible that you can, you know, celebrate it and, you know, you get a trophy and, and so on. This is having an app that I can, you know, we can be in a conversation. I can open the app up on my phone and show you there's, there's an everlasting impact to that. And, uh, we just like bringing ideas and cool things to life. And, and that's really what we're doing with it. And I, I like how, you know, again, the name of the, 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 it's mindful sports group, um, mindful because we've been talking about the mental aspect I'm assuming, but also mindful because as you were talking about, you want to impact, you know, it's not just a random technology project. As you said, this is something where you can help more kids get division one scholarships or make it to the NBA. You can help more golfers become better at what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I think that's a really interesting, you know, the, 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 the name itself, the twofold of it, um, I think is pretty cool. I don't know if that was on purpose. You're a smart guy. So I'm assuming it was, but Hey, maybe, uh, maybe I just figured something out and you can run with it. If, if, if. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I mean, the name came from, you know, when, when I started the company where I was, um, you know, mindful was a very important part of my, I mean, it still is, you know, it's, 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 it's a word that is probably being overused now more so than, you know, I think when we did it, it was probably right at the start of the mindful craze. Um, but it's, you know, it's important and, and it's, you know, it's, it's important that we educate people on it. So it does, you know, when people ask us, it does spark that conversation and that's important to us. And, and going back to the process of all of this, how do you divide your time between, you know, obviously Victor and now you're bringing up more golf, bringing on more golfers and then also working on these technology projects, which as you worked in a startup technology company beforehand, as you said, you didn't golf anymore because you had so much stuff you had to do. How have you been able to figure out a process to make sure that you're dividing your time in the correct way with, with both sides of the business. That's and and life on top of it all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 You know, so I don't think there's, there's no formula to it. I think that it's, um, I would say that I probably personally have more, I spend more time with the golfers. I think that I have more to offer them directly. Um, I think on the on the software side, Stephen is he runs with it more so than than I do. I you know we speak every day. We speak uh, you know multiple times a day. You know we're in the office together when I'm in town. Um, but I think that I trust. You know it's it's when you when you do multiple things like this, it's about trusting the people that you have on your team. And and he's somebody that I've obviously done a lot with. We've had a lot of success together. I think the world of him. Um, you know, I always joke with him that, you know, if Victor became the number one player in the world, I'd still think that you're the most talented player in the, that I know in the world. Uh, you know, so it's, you know, he's, he's, he's the number one coder in the world as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and he's much more than that as, as well. Um, so I think it's just having the right people around you. I would say there's, you know, some days I put 80% into the technology and 20% into the golf management. And some days I put a hundred percent into the golf management and nothing into the technology. And it's, it just comes from just knowing at the end of the day um, that you trust the people that are around you. Obviously I've, I've now um, the, the technology is coming very close to launching some of this stuff. So, um, you know, it's, that's why we hired somebody to come and help on the golf management side of things. So it's just kind of playing it by ear and, and balancing things. I would say that when we did winning identity, I invested too much of my life into, um, 
you know, the, the business and working and felt mm-hmm. like I put 120% of my time. And I would say that it borderline got me to the point where I was unhealthy. I was working so much. And I would say that, you know, with the first one, it was very much, let's just be successful. We'll make a lot of money. We'll work as hard as we can until we can get to that point. And I think that with this one, it's more, let's just take on projects we enjoy doing. Uh, and I think that when you enjoy what it is that you're doing, whether I put 14 hours into a day or 20 hours into a day or five hours into a day that whatever it is, is extremely enjoyable. Um, there's very little stress. Um, you know, we said, you know, when we were winning identity, we needed everything done yesterday. Whereas we have a little bit more patience now to do things, you know, it's more about doing it right than doing it. Um, you know, so, you know, do done is better than perfect. And we just kind of, you know, go about our business in the right order and just mm-hmm. enjoy day in and day out what we do. And if it's 50, 50, if it's 80, 20, we just kind of roll with the punches. Roll with it. I, and I think you make a really good point before, you know, it, it is a sliding scale, right? It's never 50% golf management, 50% technology. I mean, certain days it probably falls like that, but understanding that some days you're going to need to put a little more, more love, care and attention into one versus the other. Um, and then other days it could be the complete opposite, which I think is interesting. And you've been doing this a while. So, uh, um, you know, I, I, I believe that you know what you got going on. And I think that part's really important. Um, the last question I have for you, I guess, is like, what's, what's next? Um, obviously getting Victor to number one in the world, getting all these other golfers ramped up, ready to go and getting them on, you know, wherever they're trying to get to as well, which is also number one in the world. Right. But I guess what's, what, what are some of the next steps you see? I mean, if you don't see any, I understand, obviously you're kind of rolling with the punches, but what are, what's kind of the vision moving forward for, uh, for, for Mindful Sports Group? Yeah, I mean, helping develop the players in general, whether it's Victor or Maverick, Frederick, Goodbender, any any of the guys that are on our team, any of the other players that we've been talking to about bringing them on, helping them define their process is, is you know, as much as it's what's next, it's really what's now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then and then on the technology side, it's just getting getting our two projects to market right now are really is really the, the, the current focus. I think that each, you know, working with Athlete Institute and what we're building with them and then working with Modern Golf and what we're building with them. Those are two, uh, they're basically two businesses in and of themselves. So, you know, we're fortunate that the partners that we have have, you know, they'll, they'll take the software off our hands in a sense and they'll put it into, you know, a business and they'll go and sell and they'll do all of those things. Um, so it's just, you know, getting these two projects to market from a technology standpoint, as well as just helping these golfers get better and, and helping them stay present is really our focus for, you know, now and, and I guess in the future. As well. I love it. Well, I mean, as we were talking about before, we're not too worried about, you know, the, the third hole on Augusta. We're worried about what's happening tomorrow in Mexico, right? So uh, you, you, are, you practice what you preach, man. I tried to get you, but it clearly, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't get anything out of I you. Wish, I wish that I had a better, you know, here's what I want to do in, in 10 years and, and, and do this. I think that, you know, that, like I said, these, these projects are super fulfilling. I think that, you know, there are two projects in my opinion that help clean up some of the dysfunction in the industries that they're in. I think that that's one of the things where technology will be huge going forward is that it can solve a lot of problems that are, you know, not really being solved today. So, you know, that's, that's where technology is very exciting to me is that it, it moves society forward in a lot of ways. Um, and helps kind of clean up areas of dysfunction that uh, need it. Um, And just 
as much as possible, just enjoying the day to day and, and doing it that way. That's all you can do, man. And, and again, like you, you founded this company, you're, you're working with two of your passions. Most people don't find one passion they can work with. You're working with two of them um, and you're doing a damn good job at it. So there's really no, like, what, what else can you do? I guess just more of what you're doing. Right. And uh, that sounds like kind of what, what is on the horizon. So Joe, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Joe Shuchat, founder of Mindful Sports Group. Really appreciate your time today, man. No, thank you. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and really all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. Sincerely appreciate your time. I know it's the only thing we don't get more of, so I really do appreciate you giving me a little bit of yours. And thank you. That's really all I can say. Like This is easily the most fun I get to have on a daily basis. So if you know anybody that you think would have some fun hanging out with me for 45 minutes to an hour to just chop it up about what they do in sports. There's so many opportunities in the industry, and I really want to help people understand young kids, college graduates, career changers, that there are so many different things you can do in this industry. You don't just have to be an athlete. You don't have to be a coach or an executive. You can work at some of these incredible companies and with like these incredible people that you've heard before. So please, 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 if you could, give us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, wherever the heck you get your uh, podcast. Please give us a review. Please share this and yeah, tell your friends about it. It's a lot of fun for me. So if you know anybody, as I said, that would like to come on, I'd love it. But if you just share it with your friends and they learn a little bit, that's good enough too. So thank you all so much and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes.